Last Sunday, I began a, a new series that I entitled, oops, there we were, Chiseled by the Master's Hand. It's a, a kind of a, a study of some of the things in Peter's life that God worked on him to make him in his image. And uh, this morning, we're going to be talking, walking on the stormy waters of life. Anyone want to guess what story that's from? Well, we'll look here in a minute. Um, in Germany, there's a, there's a monument to Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. He was a German writer and playwright. And in this, in this statue, and maybe it's a little hard to see there, but the head is pointing one way, and his feet is pointing another way. And they sculpted it and put it there specifically because his head is pointed towards the university, but his feet is pointed towards a beer hall. And that was kind of the story of his life. And it's a graphic picture of competing loyalties in our life. Each of us, in some degree, struggle with these competing loyalties. We love Christ but we're distracted by the lure that comes from our fallen nature within and, and the pressures of the circumstances without. And these compelling voices vie for our allegiance, and we sometimes feel as if our faith in God is just simply not powerful enough to weather those storms that try to take us off course. So how can we be successful in our walk with Christ? How can we follow him without being distracted by the world, the flesh, and the devil? How can we follow him with our heart as well as our head and our feet? How do we manage when those fears come that seem to engulf us and get our eyes off of Christ? Let's look at the story of Peter and Jesus. This follows immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. And, and, and we pick up the story right there. It says, immediately after this, the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. But when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to, the, to him, Lord, if it is really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. 
You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. If Peter was to be a faithful man, despite the powerful opposition that was coming his way later on down the road, Peter would have to learn the secret of standing up to contrary winds. Again, this master teacher, Jesus, chose to use a a common experience to teach a very uncommon lesson in the lives of his disciples. This storm on the Sea of Galilee would be symbolic of the storms of life that they were about to face. Jesus, as I said, had just fed the 5,000 He had had 5,000 men, it says, and and there could have been 10, 15,000 with women and children. And the multitude were impressed with what Jesus had just done. And they were thinking, wouldn't it be wonderful to crown him as king, uh, to have such a man as their king? John puts it this way. He said, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we were expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. The crowd wanted to make Jesus king by acclamation, whether he was seeking that position or not. And surely with enough accolades coming in his direction, they could persuade him to take such an honor. But as so often happened, Jesus disappointed their temporal expectations of him. Jesus was not going to be seduced by their praise. He commonly compelled his disciples to get in the boat and head back to the other side of the lake. And while he sent the multitudes away, they left. And he aborted the plan of the kingmakers and escaped into the hills to pray. And there he spent the next seven or eight hours in prayer, alone, in the presence of his father. Just as the pole points north uh, on, a, on, a, on a compass, so the Lord Jesus was constantly seeking the delight of his father's fellowship. He was constantly wanting to be in his presence. Uh, And he seized every opportunity to commune uh, with the one who had sent him to the earth. And there on the hilltop, uh, the will of the Father was again clarified and he submitted to being the Son who was sent. He knew that for now, he was not to be king. He was to be Savior. And even as he prayed, Jesus knew that his disciples had to learn to trust his presence 
even though they were physically absent from him. They were gone. Jesus was on the hill. They had to learn to trust uh, his words uh, and his presence. Just like a, a mother bird nudges uh, their little one out of the nest uh, to take flight, uh, maybe before they quite felt ready, uh, so Christ wanted his disciples to be on their own in this coming storm that was about to hit the Sea of Galilee. Though they were beyond the range of his physical sight, these men were still the focus of his care and his attention. Usually, the disciples could row across the Sea of Galilee in an hour or two. But this night, they were battling a storm that was perhaps worse than any that they could remember. Powerful winds came rushing across from the Mediterranean, across the, the, the mountains there, and they, they would whip up in, in, in very short order. There could be a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples were out there, and even though a number of them were fishermen, they were terrified. And this is what it says. It says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. Strong wind had risen. They were fighting heavy waves. Three in the morning, Jesus came walking to them on the water. When the disciples saw him walking, they were terrified and they cried out, it's a ghost. Seven or eight hours, they had been out there. And they'd only gone about three or four miles. This would have been about halfway across the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee. And so they were out there in the middle in distress and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. A couple of truths we want to just pick out right here. The first is this. Although the disciples could not see Jesus when he was praying on the hilltop, he could see them. He knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly what they were going through and what they were facing. Without the benefit of a GPS, Jesus knew their exact longitude and latitude, and he knew every minute what was happening out there. Perhaps you learned, and we all must do it, that the storms of life may hide the face of God, and yet he is watching over us each and every moment. And when push comes to shove, as it so often does in life, it's more important that God sees me than that I can see God. Rest assured, he is watching. He knows the battle of our personal storm. The second thing that I know here is that the disciples were in the squall because they were obedient to Jesus. Sometimes we have made the mistake uh, that the storms in life is proof uh, that we are somehow out of the will of God. Well, I know that this wouldn't have happened if we were in God's will. What, what, you know, I must be out of God's will. Yet it is the center of God's will it was in obedience to him that they were encountering their fiercest storm that they had faced. Let's not fall into the error of thinking uh, that we have made a wrong decision just because we sail into a storm. Sometimes the greatest trials of life come when we are walking in obedience to Christ's command. The third thing that I see here is that the cause of their fear 
eventually became the source uh, of their comfort and joy. They saw this apparition, they thought, walking towards them on the water, and they were terrified. They didn't recognize Christ, uh, that he was on his way to help him. This terrifying ghost, this phantom, became their greatest blessing. The bad news that we receive may well be Christ wanting to draw near and closer to us. And then the fourth thing that I see right here is that Christ came at the exact right time. It was three in the morning. Things were getting pretty well out of hand. They had, they had been out on the sea for seven or eight hours, and they just weren't making any progress. They were going straight in to the wind. They assumed that this time Christ had given them a command that they just were not going to be able to keep. Try as they might, they simply weren't able to get to the other side as Jesus had instructed them. But in their moment of desperation, Christ appears to help them. Christ knew how much they could take and met them in their darkest hour. Christ can calm the storms, but he can also guide us through the storms. Let's look at three snapshots of Peter that show God's chiseling away and working and shaping him uh, into his image. The first one is this, Peter saw Christ. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Peter instantly recognized that voice. It was not a ghost. It was not a phantom. It was the Lord, the all-powerful one. He was there. The all-knowing Christ sees us and our boat when it's battered in the storms of life. He's a friend who knows us. You know, sometimes we have friends that know our situation, but they're powerless to do anything other than to say, well, I wish you good luck. I hope everything goes well. And, and that can be a comfort to know that they care. But Christ has more than just knowledge. He has power. He has the ability to intervene in those critical and crucial times when we're about to give up. According to the laws of nature, Jesus should not have been able to walk on that water. He should have sunk physically uh, just as Peter or anyone else jumping in would have sunk on their own. But he is God. He is Lord over the forces of nature. He is Lord over the laws of gravity. And he walked on the raging waters of Galilee with the confidence of one that was walking on a marble floor. He marched out from the shores on the other side and walked out there to the middle where he met the disciples. According to John, they were three or four miles out there. Jesus walked three or four miles across that stormy water to meet them. This was the same God that last week we talked about who commanded the fish to, to fill that net uh, that Peter and his buddies were fishing uh, out in the Sea of Galilee. And he was now commanding the waves below him to be solid enough to bear his weight. 
The Christ whom Peter saw was the triumphant one whose power was displayed in creating the universe. When we face temptations, when we face the disappointments of life, the breakdown of health, the, the crumbling of our best laid plans, uh, our first and greatest need is always to have a new vision of Jesus, to see Jesus. And when we see Jesus, there is immediately hope in the greatest amount of despair that we may face. Christ must become real to us, as real to us as the storm we're facing. Not only did Peter see Christ, but he saw in this also an opportunity. Perhaps if we had been on the boat we would have been content to just say, okay, Jesus, come on, get over here, come quick. I'm right here, get to me. But Peter saw it as a wonderful opportunity. It says, Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, come. And Peter jumps over the side of the boat. That, that took a, that, you talk about faith. That took some faith to jump over the side of the boat and he began walking on the water towards Jesus. Clearly, Christ was pleased with this request because he said, come, yes, come. This, I don't think, was a stunt by Peter. Peter just couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to, 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 for Jesus to get to the boat uh, and he wants to meet the master and he, he goes. And for a brief moment, Peter was actually walking on the water with Christ. If we'd have been there, we'd have seen two people out on the Sea of Galilee, those waves bouncing out and down, up and down, and yet there they are, walking on the water, defying the laws of gravity, participating in a miracle. And as far as we know, throughout human history, they are the only two that have been able to walk uh, on the water without some kind of trickery. If Peter had kept his eyes on Jesus, I'm sure he could have walked all the way to Jesus. Christ took the waves and made them a rock beneath Peter's feet. Why, why do we find ourselves in these storms so often? Why, why do the trials of life come so persistently and unrelentingly. 30 years later, Peter writes, and I don't know if he was thinking back to this moment, but he writes this. He said, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire and, and it is being tested as fire test and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Our faith is precious to Jesus. And only in a trial Many times can that faith find its full expression. So in the midst of the storms of life, and they're going to come. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and see within the storm an opportunity for faith to produce even miraculous things uh, in our lives. 
And then Peter saw the wind. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. What caused Peter to be distracted? Why did he shift his eyes off of Jesus? He had that moment of self-awareness that he was walking uh, on the water. That, that is something that was, you know, he'd been out on the water all of his life. And he had never jumped out of that boat uh, and had been able to walk on water. What a sensation that was. But while he was there walking on the water with the master, the pressure of the wind and the noise of the waves got his attention. And he turned from looking at Jesus and began to look at the water and the waves and the wind. He looked away from Jesus. That's why he failed. Now there's a place for long prayers in our life. Sometimes we need to get in the closet and pray and pray and pray. But there are times when short prayers are necessary. And right here, Peter didn't have time for a long prayer. It was just, Lord, save me. And it captured the attention and the intervention of Jesus. And he graciously and immediately stretched out his hand and he lifted Peter and he says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? You know, Jesus is like, you know, I'm here. I called you to come. Why did you doubt me? We're so quick, though, to jump in and, and say, yeah, Peter, why did you doubt him? Why did you doubt him? Why didn't you do it? Why didn't you go all the way, Peter? What's wrong with you? But only Peter, of all the disciples, got out of the boat and walked on the water. He could have stayed in the safety of the boat with the others. Some people have never failed simply because they've never attempted anything of significance. Someone once said that a believing Peter who is wet is better than a doubting Thomas who is dry. Okay? Have you ever been wet in trying to follow Jesus? Peter attempted the impossible because he heard the call, come. And without that explicit instruction by Jesus, come, certainly jumping out of that boat that night would have been almost suicide. So what do we learn? What do we learn about navigating the storms of life from Peter this morning? The first thing that we learn is we have to understand that within God's commands are God's promises. Within God's commands are God's promises. If God commands us to do it, then implicit with that is a promise. If the disciples had clung to Christ every word, they could have battled those waves without fear. Why? Because when Christ told them goodbye, he said expressly, uh, get in the boat and cross to the other side. Within that was the, somehow the promise that they would get to the other side, one way or the other. But they were terrified to the point where they just couldn't go any further. If the master of the universe said they would arrive on Galilee's other shore, they could know with a certainty that they would make it. When, when Christ asked Peter, why did you doubt me? He was saying, I said, come. Then you should be able to come the whole way. Why did you doubt me? 
If only he had truly believed that word of Jesus, there would have been no need for fear. Peter was perfectly safe as long as he depended on the power of Christ's word. Come. Christ's instructions to his disciples, go to the other side. That was a promise. And they needed to understand that. Now this is not so much a blanket promise that we'll be delivered from every trouble in life, but it is a promise that he will be with us in every storm of life. These same disciples, all of them except John, ended up being martyred for their faith. That's why it's necessary for us to interpret the promises of God correctly. Some people have been disappointed because they believe God for miracles that he, he didn't specifically promise. He hasn't promised that every time we get sick that we will be well. He hasn't promised that we'll never have an accident. He never promised that bad things won't come our way. But he has promised that he will walk with us to the other side through whatever we may face between here and there. Sometimes he calms the storms on the lake, and sometimes he calms the storm in our hearts. The second lesson that we learn here is that the waters that threaten to be over our head are under Christ's feet. All of us encounter winds of adversity. We have storms that come, maybe it's financial problems, maybe it's health Maybe it's a emotional or physical things. Maybe it's a relationship that's gone sour. And we remind ourselves that the situation, no matter how painful, is one that Christ has complete control over. Today, he stands with whatever it is under his feet. And we need to see Christ walking on the raging water of our lives and hear his invitation to join us in walking triumphantly, whatever it is that we are, are facing. Let us see Christ triumphing over the very sting of death and inviting us to join him. Let us see him at the right hand of the Father and we're standing there right with him. We must remember that regardless of how intently we look at Christ, it doesn't necessarily mean that the storm will stop. The wind may continue to howl, and the waves may continue to rise, but he's saying, keep looking and keep walking, because I said, come. Christ is totally aware of our circumstances. The waters that threaten to drown us are the very waters that Christ is walking on, and he says, join me. Then the final lesson is, the power of our feet is dependent on the focus of our eye. Von Gute looked at the university, but he walked to the beer hall, proving that his Education was not the strength that could change him. Knowledge alone will never break the destructive habits that we may find ourselves in. We need the transformational work of Jesus Christ in our hearts. What was Peter's greatest enemy? Was it the storm? 
No. Was it the waves heaving up and down beneath his feet? No. Doubt was his greatest adversary. There was no need for him to calculate the speed of the wind and know how deep the lake was beneath him. None of those forces uh, could keep Peter from the victory that Jesus had put before him. The only thing that kept him from doing it was doubt. Doubt and doubt alone was the enemy that caused Peter to fail. So here's the simple truth. Even if the wind is calm, we'll still drown if we keep our eyes off Jesus. Even when the wind is calm, we need to have our eyes focused on him. A high wire performer said that in walking the wire, he must concentrate completely on a fixed point on the other side. If his attention, attention is diverted to, to look at someone or, or to glance somewhere else, uh, he could lose his balance. Concentration is the key to walking where others fall. How long did it take Peter to sink? How long did it take him to sink beneath the waves? I would say he took his eyes off Jesus and boom, he started going down immediately. The strength of Satan or the intensity of our trials is not what forces us to fail. Unbelief is always our mortal enemy. How long does it take for us to to be overcome by fear? once we focus on our fears instead of Christ. If we do not diligently keep our focus on Christ, we'll lose our balance, even in a small storm of life. Isaiah said this, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I read a article that was talking about why there's so many small small plane crashes it's not because they're not built well it's not because they don't have instrumentation there to guide them and to help them the reason that there are so many small plane crashes they said is because of pilot error And it is because the pilot makes the fundamental mistake uh, that what he is sensing and feeling uh, is more correct than what he's seeing on his instrument panel. And the instrument panel, maybe say he's going this direction, but he feels he's going this direction, and so he, he, he counters according to what he feels instead of what is actually there before him and so disbelief in the instrument panel is what actually kills so many pilots how true in life so many times we are in the storms of life and we're 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 making adjustments based upon what we feel instead of keeping our eyes focused on christ and listening to his voice that says come come through the storm I'll get you to the other side. It is safe. Perhaps you feel as if you're ready to crash. You've, all, you've looked at the waves. You've felt the, the force of the winds. And you think that you just can't make it through another day. Just as a pilot has to blindly trust his 
instruments instead of his intuition. We must focus our eyes on Christ and not the storm. And when we look to him, he will help us to do even the supernatural. He will help us to walk on the waters of life's most turbulent storms. So how do we focus on Christ? How do we keep that focus in the midst of the storms that come our way? Well, Unfortunately, many times in the storm of life, we're looking for that magic pill. You know, we go to the doctor, and no matter what it is, give me a pill, fix this right now. I don't want to have to wait. And we live in that kind of mindset. And, and so it's not the magic pill. It's the basic things that really help us focus on Christ. First of all, we need the Word of God. Very simple. To keep our focus on him, we need to listen to him. We need to hear his voice speaking to it. And so we need to read his word. We need to internalize his word. We need to make it a part of our focus. Because it's only in him that we have the power. And the second thing is prayer. There is prayer, those intimate moments that we share our fears and our dreams with the risen Lord in his presence. We can be honest, we can share our hurt, we can share our anger. And like David so often did in the Psalms in the midst of his storms, we'll find the refreshing that our soul is seeking. Another thing that we need to do is to remember that there's strength within the body of Christ. It's important. So many times I have found people that when life gets the worst is when they pull back from the body of Christ and hole up by themselves. That's when we need people. That's when we need to reach out. That's when you need your small group. That's when you need to be in church on Sunday morning. Uh, through the friendship and the love and the prayers of others, we are encouraged to carry on because we need each other. And finally, song sometimes can be the thing that lifts our hearts. When the words are in our mind, they stay with us for the rest of the day. This past week, Denise Turner posted what she says is Tom's song right now. What a testimony of faith in the midst of the storm. Today, Christ walks over your troubled waters. He stands triumphantly. He invites you and me to look to him to share the victory and the triumph. He wants us to focus our eyes on him and that the direction of our feet are pointed towards the same direction as our eyes and that our eyes are focused on him. I was going to play that. I'm going to play that song. The Lord must have known we needed to hear it because it's the same song that Logan so beautifully sung a minute ago. I never heard that song till I heard it this week when Denise posted it. And I just thought, we need to hear this. We're in the storm. God doesn't always take the storm away, but he will see us through it. So let's listen again to Even If. Father God, we all face storms in life. 
Some maybe are even right now in a storm that they may feel is over their head. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice that says, come. That there is a way through. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you. And Lord, even if you don't, remove the storm. Help us have the confidence to walk with you through it. Help us to trust you. Help us to hear your voice over the wind and the waves. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be the witness that shows the grace of God that gets us through the storm. To be that testimony that people will see our obedience to your word, to your call, no matter what. Lord, we pray that as we go out this week, that you will find us faithful, that we will be your hands, your feet, your voice, living out the words of Jesus Christ. We ask in your holy name. Amen.